Welcome to the Eastridge Church South Campus Podcast. We bring to you the message portion of our Sunday services in a convenient podcast form. You can listen on your way to work, during your lunch break, or even during your workouts. We want to put tools in your pocket to help you throughout the week. If you would like to find out who we are or what we are about, please visit us at eastridge.church. All right, let's go. Hey, good morning, everybody. How are y'all? Okay, great. Hey, thank you, whoever said that. So glad you're here today. If you are a guest, thanks for being our guest and being part of our service. And we are in a series uh, called Reset that we started the first year because we felt like with uh, 2021, everybody was looking to reset some things. And so we've been going through the book of Genesis. The first week we talked about recreate, that uh, God is never needed to recreate anything for himself personally, but he is at the center of all creation and recreation. And when he's at the center of creation in our lives, things are beautiful. And then we looked at the whole concept of redeem that God creates and it's beautiful. And then he creates man and woman, Adam and Eve, and they sin and they need to be redeemed. And then we looked at the whole concept of repent, the story of Noah, where sin enters the world and the slope goes down so quick. And uh, this whole story of Noah is a warning that we just need to constantly turn back to God constantly because the slope in our life is always quickened down. And then last week we looked at rebuild, that uh, God wants to rebuild what has been broken in our lives. And we looked at the story of uh, the Tower of Babel where God confuses the language, but He's got a plan all along to unite us in Christ. And we saw in the book of Acts where the languages are united again. And uh, today, we're going to be talking about remember. Just the, the story of remember, you're going to hear a, a crazy story. I know, and look, I say it's crazy, I believe it. But you can't read the Bible without thinking, man, this is, this is crazy. You're going to hear a crazy story today. And the whole concept is to remember. And I started to think about remember is that um, one of our greatest gifts is the ability to remember. The problem is, is that we forget a lot of stuff. As a matter of fact, they say that you will forget, that we as people forget three to four things every day. So tomorrow when you forget something, the first one, just remember, that's one. Three or four more coming. And I started thinking some of the things that we forget. We forget anniversaries, birthdays, appointments. We forget to set alarms, do homework, to make a lunch. We forget what day it is. You ever done that? What day is it? We forget where we're at. You ever been driving? And you're like, where, where, where am I? Where, where am I going? Just kind of, just kind of in the days. Or you walk into a room and you, what am I looking for? Why am I here? Why am I in this room? We put important stuff in places so that we don't forget where they're at. Only to. And then you get mad at yourself. Why didn't I just leave it where it was? We forget to buy milk. Forget to check the oven. Forget to put the clothes in the washer. We forget our keys, our wallet, our cell phone, our mask. How many times have you forgotten your mask? That's frustrating, isn't it? I don't even want to wear it anyway, but... Nothing, nothing. If you love wearing your mask, we love you, and uh, and I'm grateful. Listen, I'm grateful you're wearing it. 
today. Um, if anybody wants to know what we're trying to do, we're just trying to stay open. And so, we forget to get gas. Forget to change the oil. We forget where the car is. You ever do that? Where is it? Like you're looking, like you're 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 hoping nobody's watching you because when you watch somebody else, it's really funny. Sometimes we forget people's names. I hate this. This is this is the not the worst part of my job, but it's, it is the um the most frustrating part for me in the job is when I forget one of somebody's name and like I, y'all see me and you go, hey Gary, and I'm like, hello brother. It's really bad when they come forward. And they come forward and say, I just need you to pray for me. I'm like, I have no idea who this is. I know I shouldn't know, and I'm just like, God, be with Big Smooth right here. (laughs) But my worst forgetting, and you know this story if you've been here for a while, my worst forgetting as a pastor, like I made a huge mistake when I've made a bunch of mistakes, but my worst forgetting moment was I forgot somebody's wedding. Yes. Somebody asked me on a Sunday, would I marry them on a Friday? And I said yes. Didn't write it down. Didn't do anything. Just said, I just said, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Didn't check my calendar. I don't even know what I was thinking at that moment. So I'm off and I'm with Marissa and we're in Atlanta. Marissa's my oldest daughter. It's when she was in high school. And I get this phone call. Hey, where are you at? Ooh. I say, I've been raptured. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I said, hey, I forgot. I said, I can be there in 45 minutes. I was in Atlanta, so I can be there in 45 minutes. Called Leslie. I said, get my suit. The whole way I'm riding over there, I'm thinking, I'm probably going to get fired for this. I know this is how you, you always get a worst case scenario. And I'm thinking, rightfully so. And I get to this wedding, and uh, they were they were so gracious. But we all have moments where we forget stuff, and it's one thing, and that's bad to forget a wedding. But but sometimes we forget God, we forget what He's trying to do in our life, we forget what He said, we forget what He will do, we forget what He wants for us, and it's just really easy to forget. Sometimes, if you're honest. You'll go through a good portion of your day, because I'll do this sometimes, and not have thought a thing about Him. We just get busy. We forget. And so today, I want to talk to you about a story about remembering. And it's just a, a crazy, audacious story about a guy named Abraham, who's also called Abram, and his wife, Sarah. She changed her, na- her name's changed to a different spelling of Sarah. And they have an encounter with God, and it changes their life. And the whole point of the story is that you and I would remember. And so here's the first thing is that God makes a promise. God makes a promise. There's over 8,000 promises in the Bible. Some are very specific. Some are um, for certain people, for certain times, for certain places. Some are generational, just for certain generations. Some are universal. They're for everyone. And some are personal. They're just personal promises that God has made us. But God makes this promise, and He makes this promise 
to Abraham, and you're going to see that he's called Abram and an Abraham, and, and it's an audacious, audacious promise. I mean, it's just an unbelievable promise that, that if you were had this encounter with God, you'd be thinking, man, this, this is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. Bonkers. And he makes this audacious promise. And I started to think just this, this whole concept of audaciousness that, that God does. So what does he say? What does he say to Abraham? What does he say to Abram? In Genesis 12, 2 and 3 says, I will make you. Now let me just stop right here. Abram, who becomes Abraham, it's just he and his wife. They don't have any kids. She's barren. Can't have kids. And in their day, this was a, a stigma that you had sinned, that something was wrong, that God's curse was upon you. As a matter of fact, when people today can't have children, they actually wonder if they've done something. I've talked to people. They wonder if they've done something wrong because there's got to be a reason why this isn't happening. And God comes to this man who doesn't have a kid, his wife's barren, and He says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. And I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and the people, uh, peoples of this earth will be blessed through you. And he's got it. You if you're Abraham, you're thinking, what in the world? What, is, what are you talking about? This is crazy talk. You ever had somebody come up and talk to you about something? You're, you're like, I don't know about all that. I'm, I'm serious. Come on, y'all. I know you're thinking, I'm never telling Gary anything again. So, I don't know about that. What the what? I'm doing a wedding this weekend. This upcoming weekend, I'm doing a wedding for some friends, and the couple is going to stand in front of everybody. They're going to make some audacious claims. Honor you for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and health until we are parted by death. Audacious claims. Those claims pale in comparison to this right here. Look at the next Scripture. He says, the son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He, the Lord, took him outside. Look at that. It goes beyond. You're just going to be blessed. You're going to have everybody's. Listen to what he says. Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said, so shall your offspring be. And Abraham's thinking, well, I better get busy. Because <laughs> it ain't happening. There ain't nothing going on. She's still barren. Lord, I don't know if you figured this out. We don't have any kids. Have you not seen? Have you not, do you not know what's going on in her life? We don't have anybody. And then we come to the next scripture. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarah, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarah. Now, let me just talk a little bit. Of, well, I'll come to that in just a second. You will call her Sarah. Change the spelling of her name. I'll talk to you about that in a second. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. Your wife Sarah will bear you a son and you will call him Isaac and I will establish my covenant with him. And so God says, I've made you a promise and it's going to happen. And God changes 
Abraham's name. His name's Abram, which means father. Abraham means father of multitudes. Names were a big deal back in that day. What they meant was a big deal. Sarah's is princess to noble princess. God's placing his seal on her saying, you are not cursed. And they carry these names because God's given them this promise. Now let me share with you that God's given you promises. And here's the thing about promises is that we've been let down so many times by people that sometimes we can't believe the promises God's given us. I said there's over 8,000 promises in the Bible. But we struggle sometimes to really grasp hold of what God's saying to us because of our past, because of our sins, because of our doubts. because of a bad experience we've had. And I just want you to hear today that, that God has made promises to you. And you're going to see that He's faithful. And He's going to be faithful to you. Well, the second thing is about promises is that, is that belief is the fuel for God's promises to be activated. Belief is the fuel that, that God's made these promises. If you're here today, you're going, yeah, Gary, God's made these promises. Why aren't, they, why aren't they working in my life? Why aren't they just happening to me? Because the truth is to activate God's promises, we have to have some sort of belief. And belief isn't just sitting in a corner going, I believe. Belief always leads to action. It leads to us doing something. Now, years ago, uh, three or four years ago, my son Mitchell made an audacious claim about his life. He had never won a middle school wrestling tournament. He had never won a varsity wrestling tournament. At the end of his sophomore year, towards the end of his sophomore year, he said, next year I will be a state champion. And people laughed in his face. One of my friends, one of my dear friends, his son and Mitchell were good friends, he said it was almost comical when Mitchell said that. But belief was the fuel that changed his life. He got in the best shape of his life, started practicing hard he ever had. And the same thing with, with your life and my life is that belief is the fuel for you and I that at some point you just got to say, I, I believe, I'm going to believe this. And it's going to set the course of my life. It's going to change the course of my life. That God's got these promises. They're out there. They're in His book. You know what's funny? We read the Bible, and people who don't read the Bible, they think it's a book of rules. The Bible is a book of promises that God's made in our life, that He's given to us. But we've got to activate those promises. Like when you turn on a light switch, the power's there, the light bulb's there, but you've got to activate it. Just like if you're going on a trip, I read this in a book recently where he talked about this whole example that you and I have these great plans and we, we, we want to go and do this, but you've got to put gas in the car. Belief is the fuel for the promises that God has in your life. Promises to bless you, to save you, to keep you, to restore, to make things right. That's what He wants to do. But you and I, no, make no doubt about it, you've got to set a course that I'm going to step across the line and I'm going to believe. I'm just going to believe this. And not just believe and sit in a corner and nothing changes my mind, but that belief is going to drive everything else. Look at the Scripture here. Abram believed. He's told he's going to be the father of many nations, so he's going to have kids... His, as many as the stars. 
is his offspring going to be? And he's got nothing. And his wife is barren for 90 years. Abram believed the Lord. And it was credited to him as righteousness. Now here's the interesting thing about belief. That if you read the Bible, it says... that our righteousness is credited to us from belief. So you and I are not righteous. I'm not. I've got a host of issues, and I believe you do too. But when you and I step out in faith, we activate God's promises to save us, to restore us, to redeem us, to rescue us, to bless us. And belief is always the fuel for these things happening. And so if you read the story, Abraham believes, and after some time, his wife conceives, and they have a son. Where do you need to believe today? Where's God calling you to step out in faith? You know, it's funny, we're real good about pushing back. We kind of want to believe it. We just got this, this, I'm not sure. I've been there. I didn't grow up in the church. When I accepted Christ, it wasn't something because of my parents did. It was because of something I believed. Something I felt like was real. I've never looked back on that decision. Where's God calling you? To trust Him. To believe His promise to bless you. Maybe it's an area of your life that needs work, needs change, that you need help. Or maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. And He's calling to you, calling, 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 over and over again. But make no mistake that belief is a fuel to enact God's promises in your life and in my life. Just as it was with Abraham, so it is with you and I. Which leads me to the third thing. And this is the part where it gets hard. Our belief is often tested. Now let me ask you, when's the last time you took a test? Anybody, I'm going to take my glasses off. I want to see. Anybody take a test within the last week or two? All right. Any adults, anybody over 40, you've taken a test in the last two or three weeks. Oh, we got some people that have taken some tests. Look at y'all. Okay, great. I remember I taking a test. I went back to school and, and, and for cl- clinical pastoral education, and I had to take a test. I was nervous. I hadn't taken a test. I graduated from college in 1987. Probably hadn't taken a test besides a driver's test since then. I was nervous. Well, here's the thing about testing. There are times when God does test us. God never tempts us. He doesn't tempt you to sin, but God does test you. He tests me. Now, testing is not for God. He knows what He's going to do, and He knows what you're going to do. He's all-knowing. That seems weird, I know. Like I said, I told you a weird story. Testing is for us. Testing is to see what we remember. That's what testing's about. Do I remember the promise? 
You see, where there is no testing, there is no blessing. And so while I don't enjoy testing, and you probably don't either, it's necessary. Because without testing, we really have nothing to remember. Because if you're never tested, then you're never really going to know if God's going to come through or not. See, testing's not for God. He knows what He's going to do. You need to know what He's going to do. Testing forces us. It challenges us as to whether we really believe God's promises. That's, that's the nuts and bolts of it. It does. It forces us. And so you're going to hear about a test and like, there's parts of it that I can't really grasp. Because it's, it's crazy. Abraham has a son. God's promised that his son would be the heir in many nations. The world would be blessed through his lineage. And so we come to this part in the story. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called, yes. He replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering. God says, go kill your son. Now, when you read that in the Bible, this is the part I can't wrap my brain around. Because God's asking him to do something crazy. Sometimes when God tests you, it seems crazy. I know it does. A step of faith seems like a huge leap of faith. Where He's calling you, it seems like there's no way this is going to work. I'm going to flop. I'm going to fail. I'm going to look stupid. God's calling him to kill his son. He says, go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. I bet he didn't sleep at all. Anybody with me? Could you? Man, I wouldn't have slept a wink. I've been thinking, God, no, no. There's no way this could be what you want. Isn't that what we do? We just wrestle. And he saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him along with his son Isaac. And then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out to the place that God had told him about. And on the third day, numbers are always special with God. On the third day, hold on to that. Of their journey... Abraham looked up and saw the place in distance. Stay here with the donkey, and you're going to see a little bit, you get a peek into Abraham's faith right here. Stay here with the donkey. Abraham told his servants, the boy and I will travel a little while farther. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. And so Abraham, this is the funny part about it, Abraham places the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders. Not only is he going to kill him, you've got to carry the wood for him. You know what? Classic dad moment. 
and while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son. Abraham replied, We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? He knew it was about to go down, that they needed something to sacrifice. God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. And then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar. Could you imagine this, y'all? Could you imagine? This is crazy. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy. And the angel said, do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. For you have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. And so he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named the place Yahweh Yira or Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, the people use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. You see, God's testing us. He's testing you. He's testing me. He knows what He's going to do. He wants us to know that He's the God who provides. When you come to a point in your life and you don't know what to do, or you come to a place in your life where you feel Him testing you, whether maybe it's a test of obedience or a test of faith, it's all faith. The question is, is what are you going to do? Because God's already told us what He'll do. He told us, He's given us His Word to show us that He's going to bless us. If we'll just simply hold on to His promises. The story today is so that you and I would remember. That we would remember that God's promises can be trusted. I love God's Word. I love how it's a story within a story. 66 books all pointing to the same thing, that there's a God out there that He loves us. That He wants to bless our lives. That he has a purpose and a plan. He wants to forgive us. He wants to save us. He wants to redeem us. And it's all these stories within the story. And in Hebrews, we get the back end of the story. The writer of Hebrews says, and he's reminding us that God's promises can't be trusted. That God's made a bunch of promises to him. That our belief is how they're activated, but they're going to be tested. They're, we just have to be. Because without testing, there's no blessing. Without testing, there's nothing to remember. Without testing, we're not sure if God's promises are really real. And we see in Hebrews, it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Still held on to his faith, y'all. When everybody else said, I'm not doing that, can't do it, I'm not going to do it, that's crazy. Held on to his faith. Abraham, who had received God's promise, was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac, even though 
God had told him, Isaac, it is Isaac through your Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, listen to this, that God was able to bring him back to life again. Nobody had ever been resurrected. And here we see that Abraham says, well, if he's calling me to kill him, then he'll raise him back to life. Now that's an incredible amount of faith, people. And that's the faith that you and I can have if we'll trust God's promises. That nothing is impossible with Him. Now we say that, but we don't really mean it, do we? We read these, nothing's impossible with God, and then we get in a situation where we're about to fall off the edge of the cliff. We're going, I don't know about that. He might not catch me on this one. That's how we do. Remember, God's promises can be trusted. So let me ask you this question today. Where's God calling you to trust Him? Where's a promise that needs to be activated by your stepping out in faith? Maybe it's a promise to save you. Maybe it's a promise to bless you. Maybe it's an issue of obedience that man, you, God's been calling you and you just keep pushing back, pushing back. I want to pray for you today to trust God, to trust His promises. And maybe today you've never accepted Christ. I'm going to pray for you and ask that you, if that happens today, if you've never, and today's the day you accept Jesus Christ, you realize how much He loves you. His promise for you to bless you. Then I ask you to write it on your Connect card. I'd love to follow up with you this week. But let's just spend a moment in prayer. Lord, you have been so good to us through our whole lives. But Lord, so many times we just forget your goodness. We forget your promises. We get busy or we get scared. We fail to remember. Lord, I pray today is different. I pray today is a day that we draw a line in the sand. And wherever we're at, we decide, I'm going to trust God more. Lord, I pray for the person here today that you're going to do that for the first time. You're going to trust Jesus. Who He is, what He did. His calling to you to follow Him. Trusting Him with your very life. And Lord, I pray for the person here today who's just struggling with doubt. They want to believe, but they're scared to step across the line. Lord, I pray today's the day they step across. Lord, I pray for the person here today that's struggling with obedience, an area of their life that they know is hurting them, it's not honoring you. Father, I pray they would remember your promise that you want their very best. And you want to bless. You want to bless all of us. 
Lord, I pray for the person here today that's going through testing. I, I can talk about it, but they're going through testing and maybe they're wavering. Maybe they're wondering where you're at. I pray they would hear your voice today and know that you love them and that you're with them. Lord, we remember. In the name of Jesus, amen. If you have any doubts about God's promise in your life, if you're here today and you're like, yeah, I don't know about all that. I told you the Bible's a story within a story. 2,000 years ago, let me take you back. God had made a promise that He was going to save us. In spite of ourselves, in spite of our sins, that He made this promise that He would forgive us of everything we'd ever done. That He would redeem us. That He would be Jehovah Jireh, Yahweh Yireh. That He would be a God who provided. Only this time in the story, it would be His Son, his son would climb the hill of Golgotha. It would be his son who would carry the wood on his back. It would be his son who would be sacrificed brutally. He would be beaten. He would be whipped. He would be tortured. He would be spit upon. He would be mocked. He would be deserted. He would be betrayed. He would be denied. He would have nails pounded into His hands and feet for you, for me. But He would also be the Son that on the third day, I told you the story of the Bible is, is so symbolic, they're so full of, you can't hardly read it without thinking, there's got to be a God that keep the same thing. The third day, He rises from the dead. And so remember, each week we partake of the Lord's Supper. Man, this is such a great opportunity for you and I to remember God's promises to us. That you're not alone. I'm not alone. That He's with us. Always has been. His plan all along was to save us. And we get this reminder of a piece of bread, His body on the cross. A little tiny bit of juice. His blood. And I love what Renee said a couple weeks ago. He left a trail of blood. And so, I want to give you a moment. Just take a moment to remember Him. And then let's partake of the Lord's Supper together. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to speak with someone about the message you just heard, or if you would like to pray with someone, send us an email at info at
If you feel led to support the ministry at Eastridge, please visit eastridge.church give. Thank you for your generosity. Remember, no matter where you are in life, God loves you, we love you, and you have a family at Eastridge Church.